You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I'm Hayden Grove, your host, as always, joined by Mr. Chris Fedor, our Cavaliers beat reporter. And today we have a special guest who has taken the time out of his day to join us, even though he's been dealing with some, uh, what do you call it, terrible two trouble. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Terrible two trouble. I haven't been there. Chris hasn't been there, but hopefully someday we'll get there. And uh, (laughs) I'm sure it's a labor of love for sure. Uh, but today we are joined by ESPN's Brian Windhorst uh, from what appears to be a studio. Yeah, I have a, uh, it's going to sound better than it, uh, than it actually is, but I have a podcast studio in my house. All right. I don't know if it sounds like I've got a podcast studio, but I do. I mean, it looks, it looks the part. I have a, a podcast studio and a little TV studio in my house. So um, this is what happens when you have to continue working. And you, you, you know, you don't leave your house for eight months. You do things like this. Is this a new project? Is this something you had did during the quarantine? Um, I had started it already okay. um, before that. Um, but basically, it's just a, it's just a, a, a small walk-in closet off of a spare bedroom that I paneled <laughs> with foam walls, and um, um, basically that's it. Um, so it's not as fancy as it sounds, but you know, it does allegedly reduce the echo whatnot had no idea brian that you were so handy well again i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't put this up to uh, uh you know <clears throat> trade magazines for review but <laughs> but i actually have this tunnel i would show it to you guys but it's weird but i have this this tunnel where i put my head when i record essays for sports center because they really want the cleanest sound when you know for that overlay of video Mm -hmm. and so i have this 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 shelf that i that i padded on all four sides above and below and when you stick your head in there and talk you sound like you know uh, (laughs) john facenda Uh, um so there's all these little things that uh I've been, <laughs> we've been doing to try to send work back to Connecticut. That's what we're going to have to start. I'm going to have to start making my apartment a podcast yeah. for Chris. <laughs> of, I, we used to do, I used to go outside sometimes to do it and there would be. Yeah, no kidding. Everybody could hear the wind. Everybody could hear it. There'd be cars driving by, whizzing by. <laughs> no big deal. It's fine. Um, so Brian, obviously this is a short off season for you. And, you know, we were just talking about it. Still just plugged in every day. 
Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I, not today, because I'm trying to deplug today for various reasons, but yeah, I'm spending a lot of time on the phone talking to executives right now. I've, I've spent so much time talking to agents and um, team executives because they really don't have much to do. And yeah. they're, you know, they're sort of in the starting blocks, sort of itchy, trying to get ready. So, I mean, you know, is that a... Like literally on Monday of this week, I probably spent five or six hours on the phone. Is that a work? Is that a work day? Uh, I had no product at the end. I had no product at the end of it. Um, So it's kind of this weird zone. I mean, this is my 18th year covering the NBA and obviously nothing like this has ever happened before. So it's very difficult to figure stuff out and say this is what we're doing because we're as you guys know, we're so used to a cadence. So this yeah. is what we do in July. This is what we do in September. This is what we do in January. And that's just been totally blown up. And of course, obviously you're doing it all from home. So, um, but um, I, I think the NBA is going to get this done and we're going to have a pretty representative 2020, 2021 season, um, depending on the virus as everything is. And you know, if, if I was sitting where I, where I thought and I was afraid that the league was in like April to sit here in, in uh, November and, and, and say we got one season in and I think we're going to get, again, depending on the virus, I think we're going to have a good chance to get another season started on a regular time schedule. I think it's probably about as good as you could have expected. It's been uncomfortable for certain reasons, but I think it's been a victory. Do you get the sense in, in talking to those people, Brian, that we're headed for a December 22nd start then? Maybe not December 22nd, but Christmas mm-hmm. week, you know, and, okay. and this is the thing with when we, we talk about this, you know, you could post this and then something has happened. You know, there's always an information lag. Yeah. Um, so it could be December 22nd, but I, Chris, I believe it, there will be basketball on Christmas day. And I believe we're going to get some sort of, some sort of 70 so game schedule um, and, you know, whether or not that all gets played with these teams because of the virus. I mean, we're when teams start moving around, we start seeing we've seen it in college football. We've seen it in the NFL. We've seen it in baseball. We're going to have NBA teams get uh, outbreaks. Um, I don't know if they'll play 70 games, but that's what I think they're going to do. And I think the agreement will come relatively soon. And um uh, everybody is going to be hurting on this. The, the players are going to get less money. The owners are going to get less money. The television networks are going to have less games to broadcast, not just national, but the regional. And um, the players are going to have to turn around quicker. It, it, nothing about it is, is ideal, but I think it's, it's eventually going to get worked out. That, that, the player turnaround, Chris and I were talking about this on the, uh, you know, we were discussing the NBA draft upcoming and the player turnaround for the rookies that's going to be exceptional. Yeah, that's wild. I yeah, mean, a lot of people, a lot of people, Hayden, are comparing this to 2011 lockout. And what I would just say to that is, um, we had the draft that year. In fact, that was the year the Cavs drafted Kyrie Irving. Yep. And um, I actually remember this. So, so the, the Cavs drafted Kyrie Irving, and they had they had a mini camp where Kyrie came into Cleveland Clinic <laughs> courts and played with the Cavs for a few days and then the season shut down. And I remember Kyrie did a, a, an event at a grade school in green and I went to it. It was like in August and um, it was the first time I'd ever met him. 
and it was during the lockout and I talked to him and he said, yeah, the Cavs told me they didn't want me to, to play during the lockout. They wanted to me to shut it down to make sure my foot was okay. These details aren't relevant now. My point is they were able to actually create a treatment plan for his foot, mm-hmm. get him in, you know, get to know him a little bit. And then when the season started, yes, it was a rush job, but the rookies had some layer of transition. They didn't get mm-hmm. their transition program. They didn't get their, <clears throat> their summer league, but it was something that was better than nothing. So I actually think that the rookies will probably face the, as you mentioned, the, the hardest hit in what we're trying to do here. So Brian, if, if we lay out the next, what is it? Two months, I guess. Are we expecting craziness in this off season, quote unquote off season? I think we'll see a lot of transactions. We haven't had transactions since February. Yeah. And in talking to the teams, <clears throat> there's a lot of chatter. Um, so I expect there to be a lot of transactions. Will we see any superstar level players change teams and therefore reshape the balance of power in the league? At this moment, I would say probably not. Okay. But again, that's um, – but I think we will see – we will see things happen for sure. Um, and the other thing is it sounds like what's going to happen is – and again, sounds like <laughs> um, <laughs> that they are going to set the luxury tax for several years. Uh, maybe even more than two. And that will enable the teams to start making some decisions about their payroll more than just uh, how they're going to put together this year. So once that falls into place, which the teams are pretty much preparing for now anyway, that helps them make decisions. And so um, there's there's a lot of discussions taking place that I think once the starting bell hits, I think you'll see boom, 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 boom. Things, all kinds of things happen. Is it good? It's going to be interesting to, to, to watch, but I don't know if it's going to change who we're picking to win the title. Gotcha. Brian, with this draft, and we've talked, I mean, the Cavaliers at this point, we, it's, it's basically just draft. I mean, you know, we, yeah. we know that they, they can't do too much in the way of free agency. They can't do too much in the way. I mean, they could obviously trade some pieces, but um, what are your impressions of this draft? Chris and I have talked a lot about it and, and maybe it being a weaker draft and obviously a weaker draft on top of a turnaround that is going to be historic and that it's going to be probably a month. Um, I mean, are the, are the Cavaliers in a position at number five to where, or what about, let's just talk the whole draft. I mean, what do you think about the whole thing? So um, I am not a draft expert um, at all, uh, but I do talk to a lot of people and I do listen to the guys that, that uh, we have at ESPN who and Jonathan Gavoni and, um, and Mike Schmitz, who I think, I don't want to say the best, but they are awesome. And they, they, yep. you know, th- these guys who are, who are, you know, like these um, uh, guys who are coming out of Europe uh, that are, you know, 20 years old, they've seen them since they were 14, you know, and of course the Americans they've seen, um, you know, uh, LaMelo Ball's played like 15 games in the last two years. And like Jonathan Gavoni has been at like three or four of them, even though they were like in Tasmania. <laughs> so, um, you know, <laughs> Um, it's interesting, you know, Fedor wrote a story, uh, at, right after the lottery, um, where he talked about how the Cavs, while they would have loved to have won the lottery, felt okay at number five because, um, they felt like they could get a player there. They, they thought, they thought there, it was going to be an easier pick in some ways. I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, Fedor. Mm. And I thought that story was interesting at the time because I hadn't really heard that. 
And as the time, as weeks have passed, I've kind of heard that same situation. The teams that are, you know, in one, two, three are kind of looking to trade back. And so, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, picking fifth, the talent differential is not going to be massive, you know, um, you know, we always go back to the year. I always in my head say, well, remember Dwayne Wade went fifth and Kurt Heinrich went sixth. And with all due respect to Kurt Heinrich, when you're drafting six in a five player draft, things can get bad. Um, this is, this is not like, Oh, it's a two player draft and, and the, the Cavs have the third pick. They may have just as much of a chance to draft a, a player that works for them at five as they do with any other spot. So that's what I have. And, you know, like I've got, um, I've got guys, you know, telling me that, you know, guys who may go six, seven in this draft could be, end up being the best player in this draft. And so um, I, I, I think probably there's only a couple of guys um, in this top, in this lottery that will probably be significant players. We were, there's a lot of role players in here. Um, And as long as you have that expectation understood, I think, you can draft a player that can help your team. But um, uh, this is what people have been telling me about the draft. I certainly haven't seen these guys play enough to form my own opinion. So one thing that I keep hearing, Brian, about this class in general is that there's like a segment of guys who are really, really polarizing um, because they have quote unquote red flags and whatever those may be. And you can probably talk yourself into or out of any of these prospects. Um, And then there's a segment that are considered like safer, cleaner, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to take as much risk with those guys. And maybe that's Obi Toppin, Tyrese Halliburton. You can go through the list. How do you think like teams like Golden State, Minnesota, trying to win now are going to approach the riskier guys versus what could be perceived as the safer guys? Yeah, so there's kind of – there's lots of shades of gray in draft philosophy, but yeah. – Generally, I've learned in the NBA that in the draft, most of the time, general managers want to take guys with the highest upside. Um, So you swing and hope for Giannis Antetokounmpo, even if you wind up with Thon Maker uh, most of the time, okay? And um, so that's why you see like the classic Cavs pick, I remember this about, was Christian Iyenga. and I'm just doing this from a Cavs uh, standpoint. Um, the Cavs had the 30th pick that year. They were coming off a 60-win season. And I really wanted them to take Dewan Blair, um, who was a four-year player out of Pittsburgh, who I felt could help them the following season. And the Cavs took Christian Ienga. And I remember the team explaining to me, look, our philosophy is we are going to swing on – and they took Danny Green in the second round – ironically enough, who was a four-year player. Interesting. Um, but who didn't make it with the Cavs, obviously. But a lot of teams are going to go with that philosophy. So I can't sit here and tell you uh, that Obi Toppin, for example, is going to be a better NBA player than, you know, a guy like, you know, Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell you that when teams look at a guy like Obi Toppin, they will say, well, he is, you know, 22 going on 23. And even though he had an unusual college path, 
they may they will all most of the time they will always be more excited about a guy like LaMelo Ball who when you right. watch him play doesn't anywhere have anywhere near the polish that Obi Toppin has. And so this is what you see in the draft typically over and over. So some teams that are more closer to to title competition may be able to draft for need. Um, the classic case that I will give you this, just because again, I think Cavs fans would remember it, would be um, when the Miami Heat moved up in the draft to take Norris Cole, who was a four-year college player at Nor- at uh, Cleveland State, and um, they didn't take Norris Cole because they thought, oh man, in three years this guy could be, you know, our starting point guard. He could you know, average 15 points and nine assists and be a borderline all-star. They took him because they needed a backup point guard, but they, but that was with the 30th pick in the draft. Okay. Um, so that, so some teams are going to draft for need right there with where the Cavs are right now. Um, mm-hmm. My guess is that this is something that they've talked about a lot over the last six months. Do we go with our pick? And especially after they knew it was the fifth pick, do we go for a guy that we think can be the role player that we think can, we can plug in or do we go for the, the, the biggest upside? And um, again, I don't know what they're talking about, but most of the time, big upside wins in that discussion. Who's your, who's your Dewan Blair for the Cavaliers this year? <laughs> oh man. I don't, again, I don't know the draft well enough. Yeah. Um, probably it's Obi Toppin. Yeah. He's probably the guy that, um, that fits a little bit better, you know, um, uh, I, the player who I think if you're a Cavs fan, I think you should be keeping a close eye on to see what happens is um, uh, uh, how do you say his name, Chris Okongwu? Yeah. Onyeka Okongwu. Okongwu. Um, so as I talk to executives and again, I have to qualify this because, you know, I don't, I'm not talking to all 30 teams who are revealing mm-hmm. draft boards to me. It seems like there's some people who are high on him because he is a, uh, he fits what the modern NBA center big man defender is because he can switch and he's very athletic and very good defensively. Um, and so there's a possibility that he could kind of go high, mm-hmm. that he may even go higher than the Cavs pick, which I know that not all the draft boards have that. And if that happens, is there a guy in the t- who is projected in the top three or four who slides to the Cavs at five? And if that happens, do the Cavs just pounce on him and say, oh, I'm so glad we have this opportunity to take this guy? Um, uh, or, do they st- or does a team behind say, oh, my gosh, uh, the kid from USC was the first center taken and Wiseman has slipped, um, which I don't expect to happen. Or, you know, just for, as an example. Um, so I think that that is an interesting guy to watch. Most mock drafts I've seen have him going after the Cavs, but there are people who believe that he is the most NBA ready center in the draft. And if the right team is in position there, that could happen. And that could, could, could tip the, tip the balance of things. And I'm sure that the Cavs have, discuss that scenario and what they would do if that happens. The Cavs certainly have a, they certainly have a, an advocate in uh, Kevin Porter Jr., fellow yep. USC guy. 
And it's interesting that you bring up Big O. That's that's what a lot of people are now calling him. So if that's easier for you, Brian, you can just throw <laughs> Big O in there. But see, this is this is where I'm just so deficient in the draft. Is that I <laughs> I've always been a guy who's like. I don't have the bandwidth to watch college basketball. Uh, I'm during the draft process. I'm usually covering the playoffs, and when the draft comes, I wait and I wait and watch these guys, and I form my evaluations of them after yeah. the pros. Which um, I guess that's a flaw. But go ahead. I'm sorry, Chris. So the scenario that I could see playing out is Wiseman going to to Golden State and Charlotte with a need for a big man, going with Big O at three, and then that leaves one of either Anthony Edwards or Lamelo Ball sitting in a spot where not a lot of people expected, I would think. Yeah, maybe. I mean, um, you know, it was funny. Uh, you know, Anthony Edwards had his pro day on national television last week <laughs> yeah. um, with the Clutch Sports on ESPN2. And um, again, I talked to people who didn't think that he helped himself. I talked to other people who thought he looked great. Uh, and this is what I'm talking about. Like, I have no idea which way this is going to go. The guy talked to other people who say, um, LaMelo Ball is the most talented player in the draft. And you take LaMelo Ball because he's got the highest upside if you're Minnesota, because that's what you do. You take the guy with the highest upside. Um, again, I'll go to a classic draft. Dwight Howard and Emeka Okafor. There's this big debate. Who do you take, Dwight Howard or Mecca Okafor? This really raw kid who's coming out of high school, or do you take this guy who was a – I think they won a championship at, at UConn. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the ba best players in college basketball. Um, and the Magic were like, no, we're taking the guy with the highest upside. Um, and in that case, it obviously worked out for them. Um, historically, in that situation, the most talented player – according to the people I talked to, is LaMelo. So you would think that that's what Charlotte would do. Um, I'm sorry, what um, Minnesota would do. But um, this draft is very difficult to predict uh, because yeah. all of the players have flaws in their game. And uh, the team, you know, we have a team drafting second in Golden State that is a team that is in position to actually draft for need. Mm -hmm. um, although I think that they probably will draft for talent too, but um, and so it makes it very difficult to project it. Do you have any sense in, in talking to the people around the league that you've been talking to? Um, do you have any sense of what they believe the Cavs will do at five? No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't talked to them about that. Okay. Um, um, you know, I. There's an expectation that there will be some moving around in this draft, mm. primarily because we've got some teams with extra <laughs> picks. Um, uh, who may want to move up. And we've got some teams who believe that you can take a player at 18 that is not that much different from a player you can take at 10, as an example. Um, and you, have, you, you, know, you pay the player a lot less. I mean, that's one of the things I've, I've been hearing about. I've been hearing about teams say, you know, I don't want to, I'm glad we don't have to give this guy, commit, to, you know, commit $12 million to this guy, or I'm glad that this that our draft pick is only going to cost us only, it's only going to be a, a $3 million or a $4 million guarantee because I'm not sure that we're going to be able to get a guy who's not better than a, than a guy we could sign for the minimum off the street for 500 grand. Mm -hmm. um, these are the kind of things I'm hearing. So um, I do think that there could be some movement around, um, especially, you know, one of the things that Jonathan Gavoni talked about, Again, Jonathan Gavoni from ESPN is really, really shrewd at this. And he said that 
in most years, the NBA teams, uh, even if they're in Eastern Europe or even if they're in Australia or even if they're in, uh, um, you know, wherever they're looking at players, they tend to move in groups. They on the same flights, they sit in the same section, they eat at the same restaurants, they stay at the same hotels. They're in the breakfast room, they're in the workout room, and they're whether they intend to or not, there's a bit of a group think that happens. Um, they're all talking, and a certain player is liked, and he is a pie on the draft board because they all talk about it and they and they like him. In this situation, there has none of that has happened because everybody has been sitting in their houses watching footage uh, you know video doing zoom conference calls with each other and with the prospects themselves and so what jonathan is basically saying is the group think that has typically happened has not taken place this year and so as a result there could be a guy that on one team's board is fourth and on another team's board is 17th and it's not because necessarily one team is smarter than the other but the evaluation has been more isolated. So if you have a team that doesn't mind moving up, there could be some action within that first round. I mean, I've had guys tell me that they think this will be a record first round for trades. I've had other guys say, no, I'm not giving an asset to move up five spots in this draft, which is another way of saying, we just don't know what's going to happen. We'll just have to watch and see. Brian, because you, we'll, we'll, we'll leave off the, uh, the draft topic. We've, it, unfortunately for us, since March, that's pretty much all we've had to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, I understand. It's been, it's been hosting and, and, and putting out a Cavs podcast every week since March has been a chore. Um, so we'll, we'll discuss the team on the floor, not so much the team that could happen. Um, what... Where are your overall impressions of where this Cavaliers team is going? What, I mean, they kind of have this weird mix of, you know, young talent and veteran talent and um, maybe some tweeners in there. It just seems like a kind of not really a hodgepodge, but it just seems to be kind of going in two different directions at the same time. Um, they just being flat out blunt here. They just don't have a lot of talent. They just don't. And um uh, I know that they're very high on Colin Sexton. I know that they are very high on Kevin Porter. They think that he is going to way outperform his draft position. And that may be true. You know, we may see him for another year or two and say, you know, man, you may be talking about him the way people talk about the other Porter Jr., <clears throat> Michael Porter Jr. in a year or two. Um, and if that's the case, I'll be happy to revise my opinion. But, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the probably their, their, their biggest star in quote unquote is, is Drummond. Mm. Um, I guess it's Kevin Love, but I mean, I don't know what Kevin Love's going to be. Um, uh, I just don't know what's going to happen with him. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know if, how well Drummond and Love, I don't know what that's going to mean. And, you know, right. um, so I just think that if you look at the Eastern Conference, we don't even worry about the West. Let's just look at the Eastern Conference. Um, what teams do the Cavs have more talent than? Uh, New York. New York. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, you could get an arguable, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't fight that. Yeah. Detroit. Yeah, Detroit probably. But Detroit's got a bunch of cap space. Right. They could add uh, a player or two. Charlotte. Mm -hmm. I mean, Maybe. 
we can debate it. Charlotte's got the number three pick. Yeah. You know, my point, I mean, we can argue that. I mean, the Cavs would say that they do, but they just don't have that much talent. I don't think they don't have that much talent. So um, you're asking them to compete in this. I mean, you know, I just want you to think about the East. Okay. Cause I know that there's some Cavs fans are thinking about making the playoffs this year or being close to it. I want you to think about this. I'm going to name some teams and you just, just keep them in your mind. Miami, Brooklyn, Toronto, Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia. I just named six teams. Two of those teams are not making it out of the first round of the playoffs next year. Okay. Um, I expect Atlanta to improve this year. They have a bunch of cap space and they have an intriguing young roster and they have a, 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 a star in Trey Young. Um, I expect them to improve. We saw that Orlando, which, you know, without Jonathan Isaac, we could have an argument about how much truly talent Orlando has, but they do have a couple of veterans who are really good players um, in, in Vucevic and Fournier. Um, you know, they were a playoff team last year. You have to, you have to, you know, count them out. Like, the Cavs are going to be playing a heavy East schedule. That's going to be, guys, it's going to be hard. Yeah. You know, Indy, I didn't mention Indiana, which, right. which again, if I was, if you're, an, if a Pacers fan listening to this, you'd say, well, why didn't you mention Indiana when listing all those teams? Um, I, I'm looking to see who the Cavs are going to pass. Yeah. Um, and uh, now look, maybe Kevin Porter, the Kevin Porter that shows up, all of a sudden he's a way better player and maybe Kevin Love is actually healthy and maybe Andre Drummond playing for a contract is um, very, very focused, but you know, Drummond has put up big numbers, but hasn't generally impacted winning in his career, which is one of the reasons why he had basically no trade value. Um, So uh, it's, it's a tough situation where they're at right now because they don't have a player where you can say, this is the guy that we are building around. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. They may disagree with me. They may say, no, Colin Sexton is that player. No, Kevin Porter is that player. I don't think that those are guys that are that player just yet. And that's the Cavs' biggest problem. Where do they get the talent upgrade to start to seriously compete with those teams that I just listed? It's funny that you you, you took you that long to mention Colin Sexton, and I don't think you mentioned Darius Garland once. I mean, that's, you know, those are two guys that we incessantly talk about as the future of this team. And it's like, to the outside, maybe, I mean, there's just, maybe there's not a lot there. Well, they are the future of the team, you know, but right. what's that future? Right. I mean, um, you know, Darius Garland, he had an okay rookie year, but like he didn't blow anybody away. No. I mean, he didn't make the all rookie team, which, you know, as a number five pick, you'd like to have him make the all rookie team, you know, frankly. Um, he, he was okay. You know, I, I know he's coming off the knee injury. I'm, I'm aware of that. Um, he shot the ball. Okay. Um, not great. Dude, uh, Brian, like one of the stats that you guys track at ESPN, ESPN real plus minus had him the worst player in the entire league. Well, that real plus minus is just a challenging stat. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, I know it is. Uh, you know, I will say that for for young guards, especially undersized guards, not undersized, but like, you know, 
uh, you know, like Lonzo Ball, for example. Lonzo Ball comes into the NBA, number two pick. He physically cannot compete. And he gets shoved around for 82 games and he comes back with 30 more pounds or 20 more pounds because he realizes I can't do this. This happens all the time. This is one of the reasons why John Morant's year last year was so impressive is that he physically was able to compete from day one. So it is not unusual for a guard to come in and to get knocked on his heels a little bit um, and to not shoot the ball, you know, very well. Um, uh, but I mean, I, I, Again, like if Kobe Altman was here, he would probably be like, no, no, no. Garland and Sexton are going to be McCollum and Lillard in three years, and you are out of your mind, and this is my job, and I know better. And I would say, okay, if they are, I'll be glad to issue my executive of the year vote for you. But I don't look at them and get very excited. I, I know that Sexton has put up better numbers. He has looked better, and he has shot the ball really well. Um, but I'm going to tell you, and I know that this – upsets this will what i'm about to say is going to upset some people but when i talk to people in the nba about colin sexton they think he's a bench player they think he's a they think if he's your first guard off the bench you've got a really good team that that's the kind of role he sh that he should be in um and again there are going to be people who are going to vehemently disagree with that i'm not even really saying that I mean, I watch his, his shooting numbers, and I and I like I like his competitiveness. I like his shooting numbers, but when you talk to people in the league, people say that. And so, if he's your core player, and there's other and there's you know like for example, let's say the Cavs were like, let's say let's say some star player gets available for trade, and the Cavs say, okay, we're going to use Colin Sexton and Kevin Porter to get this star, and you call up and say, okay, we're offering Colin Sexton, and that team goes, well, he's a bench player. You know, I mean, that doesn't mean that that team is right, but I'm just telling you where other teams value the Cavs players is not as high, maybe as the Cavs do. Brian, for two years, there are people within the Cavs organization that have thought that about Colin too, that he would be best suited for a six man type role. Mike Rave score off the bench. Yeah. So again, if, if he's your number one prospect, yeah. What does that say about where your talent level is, 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 right. as a team? And to your point, I mean, when everything shut down in March, the Cavs were how many games back of the Magic? That's for the eighth spot, right? And that's just the Magic. Um, in Brooklyn, Brooklyn was significantly better than the Cavs with an injured Kyrie Irving and no Kevin Durant. So to your point, it's going to be really, really difficult for them to overcome all of the different teams that are in front of them. Um, even Washington might be better. They're, they're more talented, I would say. Yeah, I mean, we have, I mean, we're assuming John Wall is going to be some level of coming back, you know, and right. they're going to give another lottery pick here. Let me just say, like, it will be interesting to see if there's any market that the Cavs have for, for Drummond in mm. taking on money. So I, I, I want to be very clear that I am not, I, I couldn't be more clear that I am not hearing what I'm about to say. That, 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 that nobody has told me that this is a, that this is a conversation. Okay. People are getting ready to aggregate this as loud we speak. And, loud but and clear. If the Cavs wanted to, they could trade for Chris Paul. Okay. Yep. They could trade Andre Drummond and Jetty Osmond. And I think they could probably get Chris Paul for that. And so do they, now what does that get you? Well, 
it gets you a hell of a press conference, yeah. <laughs> right? A Zoom, a Zoom conference. Can you imagine uh, LeBron, if that happened, can you imagine the phone call LeBron has with Chris Paul? Can you imagine that call? Yes. Um, uh, so, like, if they want to take a swing like that, all right, because I don't really know what the market is. Everybody's assuming that Chris Paul is going to get traded, and I've certainly talked on many shows about what Chris Paul possible trades are. Mm -hmm. um, but when I talk to people out there, it doesn't sound like there's been a lot of actual offers for Chris Paul. Um, I don't think that, the, you, know, you know, the Thunder are now kind of portraying, like, who says we have to trade him? We may keep him. What are you talking about? We had a playoff team with him. <laughs> We're not necessarily going to trade him. I believe they're going to trade him, but... Um, which leads me to believe that I don't think they're getting flooded with offers. If the Cavs were to, were to be looking to do something like that, um, you know, that could potentially change their outlook. Not again, not that Chris Paul even guarantees you in the playoffs, but that would sort of change their outlook. Um, if they could find a trade for Kevin Love, which I don't think that they can right now, um, I was talking to an executive the other day, just this week, and I said, uh, yeah, I heard that uh, Kevin Love was, was uh, back on the trade market. And he laughed and he goes, please tell me when he was off the trade market. You know, um, you know Kevin Love can be had. This is not uh, uh, some sort of breaking news. Um, is there something they can do with that? So that really, to me, is the question for the Cavs. Are they going to take this guy at number five who very well could end up being a role player, both long-term and short-term, or will they take the Drummond contract and the reality that their owner is one of the most, is one of the richest men in the world now and has never shown an issue, even if they have an empty arena with paying players, will they take the Drummond contract and go fishing for somebody else's money? Uh, to me, this has got to have been one of the, I mean, other than the the draft pick, I, I would guess that other than who they're going to take with number five, what they're going to do with Drummond's contract and whether they're willing to take a big swing, um, that's got to have been something that's dominated their conversation um, for, for six months now. And um, also, you know, the, the, the just the, the possibility of, you know, like if they if they if they draft a, a big man, like what happens to their big man core? What what do they do with Drummond? What do they do with Larry Nance? What do they do with Tristan Thompson? You know, um, these are all things that they're probably talking about. What do you really what do you think, think happens with Drummond? Do you have a I sense think, of that? I think they try like hell to trade him. Yeah, I really do because the Cavs are not going to be players in the twenty twenty one free agent market. Right. So why would you? Why would you try to have space by letting that fall off? I would try like hell to try to trade him. And I, I don't know what the market would be for him. I remember what they got. They got him for basically a protected second round pick. Yeah. So the market is only there for him uh, as a piece for a, for a, for a big contract. Um, a guy who's got multiple years left to the team they want to get off of like Chris Paul. You know, and, you know, the reason that the, th the Thunder would want to trade Chris Paul is because they don't want to pay him $44 million in 21-22 uh, when they're going to be in the middle of a rebuild. So, um, you know, there's a couple, you know, I think the Knicks have probably, you know, had internal discussions, you know, like, what do we, should we trade for Chris Paul? Obviously, people have talked about him maybe going to Milwaukee or the Clippers or whatever. But, you know, 
the Cavs, you, I could construct you a scenario where trading for Chris Paul would make sense. You, you mentioned Tristan Thompson. Um, obviously, that's going to be an interesting thing to look at. Is he? Do you, have you heard anything in, in regards to where he's at or where the Cavs are at with him? Yeah, the Cavs have made him an offer, and um, the offer is not what he wants right now. And so we'll see. I mean, oh, let, me, let me be clear. Offers cannot be made yet, gentlemen, because the free agent period <laughs> hasn't happened. So hypothetically, the Cavs have dreamed up an idea, a, 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 a number that – Tristan's has is aware of, and they're going to connect to it at a later time. Um, you know, it's 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 it, it has happened in NBA history, but it's very unusual for a player to take a major pay cut and stay with his team. Typically, if a player takes a major pay cut, and the team's not especially the team's not competing for a championship, the player's like, "Well, if I'm making less money, I'm going to go get other ancillary benefits, um, uh, so to speak." Um, so, uh, you know, the Cavs, I don't know what the offer is, but it's, it's less than Tristan is prepared to take right now. We'll see how the market develops. Um, if they draft a big man and Drummond stays on the team, where are, where is Tristan's minutes? Right. You know, because I don't think Kevin loves going anywhere. You have Larry Nance, who's a valuable player. You know, I mean, you could re-sign Tristan for to, to to have him to trade, but you know, I don't know what Tristan's value is out there right now. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. What kind of market he's going to have this off season? Um, Rich Paul would probably poke my eye if I if he heard me say this, but there's a possibility Tristan could play for the minimum. Whoa. Um. Now he may get like the biannual exception. Um, but I could see him going to a team and playing for the minimum to play for that team. He may have higher offers elsewhere. He certainly has a, would he certainly has a higher offer than that with Cleveland. But um, I just think the thing about Tristan is he can't shoot and he can't defend the basket. He's he's a great rebounder. He's uh, he's a good rebounder. He's an he's an excellent offensive rebounder, and he's very good at switching out defensively. Obviously, anybody who's watched the Cavs knows that. But I just don't think there's going to be a robust market for him, and so the Cavs know this, so they're not going to offer him, you know, more than the, well. I should I shouldn't say. I I I, I could see Tristan having to make a decision between making some more money with Cleveland, uh, yeah. you know, more than, you know, that I mentioned, or going for something like one of the low exceptions elsewhere. Do you think just, just in terms of that, um, I think a lot of people would be like, well, wait a minute, can't Tristan Thompson get the mid-level exception from one of these contenders? Um, do you think a lot of these teams are going to be more judicious with the mid-level because of that being such a big path for internal improvement potentially or external improvement, I should say. Yeah. I just, um, again, I would, uh, I will incite blowback here. I, I, the mid-level exception is like $10 million. Right. Um, I think a lot of the mid-level contracts that get given out are going to be for one year. Um, and, uh, I would just be surprised if in this environment, I mean, Let's go down the list of teams that need a center. 
There's just not that many. Lakers, maybe? Yes, but the Lakers, first off, the Lakers, um, <clears throat> the Lakers will not have the full mid-level. They'll only have the taxpayer right. mid-level. And um, they have other needs. Um, uh, I'm sure that that's what Tristan would love to have if he's <laughs> going to go to the Lakers is the, the full taxpayer mid-level. And right. Stranger things have happened, but if he wanted to go play for the Lakers, my expectation is he'd have to be taking a significant pay cut. And then to your point about that too, the, the teams that actually do have money to spend this off season, I mean, they don't really need center either. Well, the Charlotte needs a center, but they're looking at drafting one. Right, they're in position to get one a different and, way. And you know, there's there's other guys out there like uh, you know, if, you know, I don't know like what Montrez Harrell's market's going to be. Mm. Um, uh, you know, if you're trying to decide between paying Montrez Harrell. And paying Tristan Thompson, Tristan Thompson is going to be cheaper, but you know, I, I, again, I don't know how many of those teams are going to be out there. Um, I just, I just think it's going to be a difficult market for Tristan. I just, I just do. And I mean, let's not lay awake and cry. He just, he's coming off of what a, an $80 million contract. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, um, he'll be fine, but uh, I just don't think it's a very big market as the Cavs found out in the trade market last year. They just, um, there just wasn't a team that was willing to do it. I mean, a lot of people say, well, Boston, Boston, you know, Boston wanted them. Well, being honest, Boston probably likes Daniel Tice, who makes like $4 million or something. Uh, and if Tristan wants to come be a backup to Daniel Tice, they're not going to pay him more than Daniel Tice. So, I mean, that's just the reality. We just thought, it, you know, we've talked about it a lot. We just thought it might make sense for, you know, because of Tristan's longevity in the organization, all the records, all the, you know, the, the climbing up the ladders that maybe it would make sense for him to take a one-year deal and then look at the market when it's, you know. Oh, I agree. I mean, I, I, I think that that could definitely happen. And, you know, but the Cavs can't sign him to a contract that they can't trade. Right. When you sign a contract, to, when you sign a role play to a contract, the first thing you should ask yourself, well, it's not the first thing, but can you trade this contract? So, like, look, they signed Larry Nance. Larry Nance could be traded tomorrow. Yep. Okay? Jenny Osmond could probably be traded tomorrow. Okay? Um, if you look at the contracts that they have signed their role players to, they are, they are not contracts that cannot, that cannot be traded. There's one thing the Cavs have been disciplined about um, in, signing those, in signing those guys' contracts. So, and Tristan's not getting a three-year deal from Cleveland. Like those guys got so um i just i just think it's i just think it's going to be tough but uh you know who knows if they end up getting a guard in this draft and and they find a place for drummond and it's not for a center then all of a sudden you need a starting center well now tristan's negotiation situation changes so we have to see how things play out uh going leading up to the start of free agency so it seems like, Brian, just to me, and maybe my view is way off on this, but, but with the league in general, it seems like there are more buyers than sellers. In terms of the trade market? Yeah. It's an interesting question. I hadn't thought about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, well, you know, one of the things I would say is that right now, if you were thinking of tanking, mm -hmm. it's, it's a good year to tank. Uh, not that I'm saying the Cavs should do that, but I'm saying if you, if you, you might again, not have I, to choose. 
I, I listed all the teams in the Eastern Conference that yeah. are are going to be highly competitive. Well, let's think about the Western Conference. Let's not start at the top. Let's just go the opposite direction. <laughs> which which teams do we think have no chance of competing in the West? Well, Sacramento believes in itself. Whether or not that happens, I don't know. Yeah. Right? Minnesota is probably not going to be a very good team, but they've already traded their first round pick. Mm-hmm. They are not tanking. Okay. Phoenix just went eight and zero in the bubble. Yep. They've got big dreams. San Antonio has made the playoffs 22 out of 23 years. They've got, uh, for the moment, they've got DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge on their team. That is not a tank situation. That's not who they're going to be. New Orleans has Zion Williamson. Just hired Stan Van Gundy to be their coach. I don't foresee a tank job there. Where is the team? You know, that's why a lot of people think that, that – um, Oklahoma City is going to let Danilo Gallinari walk or sign and trade him. They're going to trade Chris Paul. They might trade Dennis Schroeder. They might, I don't know if they'll trade Steve Adams, but they, they could. And they're going to be like, look, we've got a bunch of young guys. We've got a bunch of draft picks. This is a great draft to tank in. Um, you know, that's why, that's why, to me, one of the interesting things is the Knicks. The Knicks have, a, as you mentioned, not a very talented roster. And they have a bunch of salary cap space. Mm-hmm. The Knicks actually could probably tank next year and get a very high pick in this draft, but you've got, but you just hired Tom Thibodeau. You did not hire Tom Thibodeau to tank. Right. Um, who's the, who's the last team to hire a coach who doesn't have a coach right now? The thunder. The thunder. Because their number one priority is finding a coach who can develop young players. Yeah. So you could argue that ne- that this next year with all of these teams competing at such a high level, and all of this thing, and then we're going to have a short season, and you're not going to have fans in the building for most, if not all, of the season. You're not going to get booed. It's not the worst year to tank, which is not what people want to hear. But I'm telling you, if you were looking at it from 30, and you know, the Bulls, they want to hit the gas. They just hired Billy Donovan. They did not hire Billy Donovan to miss the playoffs. Okay? They intend to go. I think. I think they intend to go. So, you know, it's not the worst year in the world to miss the playoffs coming up. I know that's not what people want to hear, but it's true. I mean, speaking of going, that's the Cavs' intention too. Do you think there's that any is, route? That is, that is my understanding. Do you think there's any route to improvement? Chris Paul. <laughs> okay. Besides Chris Paul? I mean, you know, that type of trade. Yeah. That type of trade where they're able to flip Drummond. Because mm-hmm. with three years left – and, and with three years left and a salary cap that we are looking at that is artificially inflated and is probably not going to go up, I don't think Kevin Love has much of a market. Right. Um, we have talked about Portland um, a lot, uh, and I think Portland is interesting, but what do you? what's the trade? I mean, it made some sense when they had a Hassan Whiteside. Now they don't have a Hassan Whiteside. They don't have... Um, the big contract to trade. Um, so if love isn't tradable really right now, Drummond is your tradable thing. So what can you do with that? Um, but I could build you a scenario where I would tell you that I would tell Andre Drummond, I would, you know, if you draft a big man, you know, let's say, you know, I would, I could construct a scenario where you would say to Drummond, you're going to play 
less minutes this year, and we're going to play our young big, and we're going to play Garland, Sexton, and Porter on the perimeter, and we're going to play these guys and just give them playing time in the shortened season, and we're going to let JB coach them and develop them, and we're going to take losses, and we're going to get a high pick in the 2021 draft. I could construct a scenario that that is exactly what they should do. Um, whether or not they're going to do that, though, is that's a different story. Well, with that, <laughs> I mean, you know, we've talked we've talked at length about the things to do that, that for the Cavaliers to improve. Um, we've talked about trades. We've talked about you know free agents. I mean, obviously, the Cavaliers are kind of hamstrung financially. Is there anyone out there? You know, we've talked about Derek Jones Jr. Um, that could even help them on a smaller level. I mean, uh, I'm sure that they have guys that they're going to use their, they're going to try to use their mid-level on because I think that they do have the clearance to spend. But I think it's kind of irresponsible to be a tax player with this roster, which right. if, they use, if they use their mid-level, Chris, they'd be a taxpayer team, right? They're, they're kind of on the hedge right now, right? They would be close. Like my understanding of it is, it's, it's Tristan Thompson, basically, um, for what you think his market would be or the mid-level, but not both. Yeah, so, again, if you, if you pull a deal for, like, a significant player that you could, you know, um, that you could, you could get, like, you know, maybe that changes that feeling. But I just, I just think it's irresponsible to pay the tax for a team that is, in my mind, a long-shot playoff team. So, so, so like – we could have a long conversation about Derek Jones Jr. And I think he's a, he's one of the most athletic players I've ever seen. Um, but the signing him and approaching the tax to what, to win one or two more games. Is that a significant thing? Especially when you may want, and again, if you sign Derek Jones Jr., is it going to be to a contract that you could trade if you needed to? My guess is for him to come to Cleveland, you have to pay him more than more than that. So, this is what you come down to. The Cavs' way out of this is draft mm. and trade, draft and trade, and that's what they have been doing. That's what they have been doing. That you know, I will say they are sticking to their to the thing. But the problem is, is that they haven't been in position in the draft to draft a star yet. You know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I was just about to say, so what is the non-doomsday scenario for the Cavs to where they can, you know, get out of this kind of situation that they're in? Well. Draft and trade. Yeah, draft and trade. And, you know, so maybe after not seeing them for nine months, that the Kevin Porter who comes back is like, whoa. Ooh. And maybe like in year three, Sexton is like even better. And maybe Garland is better. And you're like, whoa. Like you got something here, like, uh, and that could happen. You know, I've seen it happen. Um, I'm not excited about seeing that happen. I don't, I don't think I'm not like, Oh man, I can't wait to watch these three play. Yeah. But I, I, I could be wrong. I think that's what the Cavaliers are excited to see. happen. Well, if I was a Cavs fan, I would say, yeah, I want to see these three young guys. I want to see Porter. I want to. I want to. I want to see you know Garland turned loose. Um, I mean, I, I. That's what I would. You know, if I was marketing the team, that's what I would market. I would market those three guys. If, if I was putting the, you know, you, you can't have a media guide probably without the two guys making thirty million or whatever Love makes. Um, you probably couldn't get away with that. But 
in all honesty, those guys aren't the future of the team. The future yeah. of the team is those three young guys, but it's the debate about what that future actually is. Um, and this yeah, is the I mean, thing. I think, yeah. I think to your point, Hayden and Brian, it's, it, it's all about internal improvement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because and I mean, like, this, I mean, I is, think one of the ways that they would say it is, um, You there? You good? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was on You were in the middle of saying something. Like, I think the way that they would say it is, like, their path to internal improvement is, like Brian said, the young guys getting better. Um, they feel good about their developmental program. Uh, not being a coaching disaster because they believe in J.B. Bickerstaff and what John Beeline brought was not what they thought. Um it was a complete debacle. And then maybe Kevin Love not being as pissed off for a majority of the season and, and pouting the way that he did and, and maybe recouping some of his on-court value. But what does that get you? Like, where does that get you, I think, is the fair question. I just want you to know that when you feel despair, look up to the rafters. <laughs> because because that's essentially what this is this is a, a payback of the of what's in the rafters and i'm telling you it's still worth it it's still worth it i um, think Cavs fans would certainly agree with you on that so <clears throat> they haven't on they have not had in this incarnation of the rebuild they have not had draft fortune yeah. as they did the last time around where not only did they get high picks, but no matter what you want to say about Chris Grant, one year after LeBron James left, Chris Grant drafted two of the five starters on the championship team. Yep. And it took luck to get, to get Kyrie, but they had two of the five stars on a championship team. Now, obviously, they didn't have LeBron, but you know that was a thing. So that was two top four picks right off the bat that made a big difference. And, you know, Dion didn't work out, but that's why you have to have so many bites at the apple. You know, again, you look at, you look at Philadelphia. Um, I don't know if you saw Sam Hinkie's quote. Uh, some, Sam Hinkie was asked about whether or not Philly should consider trading Embiid or Simmons. And Hinkie said, do you guys remember what it took to get them? Right. And remember how many high picks that they had. Yep. Um, and the ones that failed. Yeah. Merlin's Noel, Mark Okafor, uh, Okafor uh, Dario Saric, who was a, not a top three pick, but a top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. And a lot of foul balls or whiffs. <laughs> <in it. clears throat> That's kind of the way it's, it's, it's supposed to be. And not that the Cavs have had any whiffs, but, you know. Uh, yeah, any. I think uh, Anthony Bennett, <laughs> maybe. Oh, right. Well, but, but well saying, like, that was like, a long time ago. But, like, but they, they whiffed on Bennett. And Wiggins would have been interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it took that many bites right. to be mm-hmm. able to get that piece. And so, like, they've they've had two years of high picks. You know, they traded yeah. for Brooklyn's pick. So, like, Philly did it for four years, basically. I'm telling you, too, Brian, people inside the organization, they still curse Spencer Dinwiddie for that run that he went on at the end of the season for Brooklyn and Brooklyn moving up uh, what they win like seven of the last 12 or something. And he hit buzzer beater after buzzer beater. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. I think <clears throat> just in general, um, like it's actually coming into play a little bit this year with Minnesota's pick, um, because Golden State, you know, if there's a star that hits the market, mm. you know, people are like, oh, Golden State has Andrew Wiggins, who is not, he was overpaid, but is not, he doesn't suck. He averages 20 points a game and they have that Minnesota pick and they're like, oh, Minnesota is not going to be very good. That's good. That's going to be a high pick. And it's like, yeah, but you know, Brooklyn had no incentive to tank that yeah, year. Right. They didn't have their pick. And, yeah. um, and Minnesota's in the same boat. Minnesota has Minnesota is getting the number one pick this year. So, so in theory, that player will help them win. They have Carl Towns. They have D'Angelo Russell. They are probably not going to be a bottom five team. The pick's top five protected. So top four protected. Maybe though it's top three protected. So my point is, what will that pick's value actually be? Ask the Cavs about the Brooklyn pick, you know. Well, yeah. the team doesn't have incentive to tank, you know. The pick isn't, you know, and, and obviously the, the picks the previous years, which turned into high picks for Boston, did turn out that way. But anyway, that's old, 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 old stories. Curious, Brian. Percentage chance Drummond opts out. I, I mean, I have not heard any of that. If he, if he opted out, I think he'd have to have his head examined <laughs> because it's thirty, it's thirty million dollars, right? Yeah, it's twenty-eight-seven. Okay, twenty-nine million. Um, he would not get. He'd be, he'd be lucky to get half of that. I think he would get less than half of it. <laughs> um, so. Uh, because again, and by the way, I know Andre a little bit. I like him as a guy. He obviously puts up big numbers, but his play does not impact winning. It just doesn't. I mean, I don't know what to say. It doesn't. So, you know, I'm sure he's not happy in Cleveland. I shouldn't say. Let me take that back. I don't know how he feels about it, but I didn't think it was the greatest sign that he didn't show up to the mini camp. Okay. Um, he probably could be in a better situation. But if I'm his agent and he's got one of the best agents in the business, um, I would not, I would tell him to just chill, just chill for this year. And then you can pick your team. I, for 30 million, I'd chill. <laughs> I mean, it's, I would say it's a no brainer, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if we have another guy this year opt out of a similar contract yeah. in the league, but that player will get, more than Drummond would get if he opted out. Brian, it's just so hard know. to see it. So hard to see it because, like, where would you go in an opt-out situation exactly. that, that would be a better situation? Well, ask what Tristan thinks of the center market. Yeah. You know, I mean, and these teams, the te you know, like, Charlotte does need a center, but I just don't see them paying him $25 million a year. Right. I just don't see it. And how much better of a situation is that than Cleveland? Exactly. It's exactly right. Like, I, I, I mean, um, it just doesn't – It. I mean, th there was like um, – you know, Atlanta kicked the tires on him last year. Right. And they ended up trading for Clint Capella. Mm -hmm. um, so, there – you know, that was a place that maybe had interest. And, uh, you know, it just didn't happen. There's just, there's just not that many – there's just not that many out there. Brian, I don't, I don't know how much time you have, but apparently we're good on the Zoom in terms of recording. We got a message that said, here, you get another free hour of recording. So we're good on oh, that. Okay. Well, we're not going to go that long. No, we're not going to go that long. But I would think it would be remiss to not discuss um, LeBron a little bit. Yeah. 
the most recent title. Um, Chris and I discussed it a lot. Um, you know, just and, and our question, and maybe you can help answer this question that we had, was that, you know, his fourth title, and I understand that maybe some people put an asterisk on it because of the shortens or because of the bubble and the shortened season and all that. But it just seemed like there was so much vitriol headed his way after the championship. And it just, it doesn't seem to make any sense. You guys have heard me, probably heard me say this in reference to the Cavs championship. Uh, winning a championship means never having to say you're sorry. So he's got it. He's got his ring. And I don't think he should care what anybody says. Um, I don't think he does. No, right. Um, I mean, he played great. What, what vitriol do you think he got? Just this whole notion of, oh, well, you know, you know, the national national media guys who make a living off of talking every morning and, and <laughs> you know, he's never as good as, he'll never be as good as Jordan. And, he, you know, it doesn't matter that he did it on a third team. This one doesn't really count because it was. <laughs> oh, annoying. it counts. Yeah. You know, I thought his, uh, so many things LeBron has, um, has said over the years, um, I, I really like. And, and that comment that he said, I want my damn respect too. Yeah, too. Yeah. It was such a fascinating comment. Um, it's kind of like one of my other favorite quotes that he had during the finals, which was um, the famous, when he stands up, it's the meme. He stands up, he's wearing the shorts with the suit yeah. and, he, and he's got the $20,000 gator bag. And he says, <laughs> be, be better tomorrow. Be better tomorrow. Yeah. Um, the reason I love that quote is because we were going to talk to him tomorrow. We were going to talk to him the next day. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the, that's the thing. It was like, you know, he, he was going to come back and talk to us the next day and he did. <laughs> and, um, and his whole thing about, I want my respect. So here's the thing. He knew he was winning that championship for some time. He planned that. He planned that out. He planned out what he said. And it was so, it was, it was just so interesting because he, he referenced the Lakers. He said, our team wants to respect, you know, because people basically don't respect the Lakers because basically, you know, they think LeBron built them. It wasn't actually Rob Palenka, which you saw, he finished like seventh or eighth in executive of the year voting or whatever it was. Um, Laker nation wants their respect, which I don't even know what that means. That was just a, a tad tip to the fans. And I want my respect too, which is his little way of narrative shifting. Um, who doesn't respect LeBron James? Right. Come, come on. Um, uh, you know, I thought they overpaid for Anthony Davis. I thought considering that Rich Paul basically constructed a highway from New Orleans to L.A. and knocked the Boston Celtics out of the block – um, gave an interview to Sports Illustrated and said, if the Celtics trade for him, he's not re-signing. Uh, knocked the, I think, I think the Knicks sort of opted out, but he like knocked everybody else out of the block and built the path. And then they like paid, like they paid for him. Like there was six teams bidding, you know, draft picks, young players, you know, but here's the thing. They won the championship. So now it doesn't matter. When you win a championship, it means never having to say you're sorry. So are the Cavs struggling right now a little bit because they were completely gassed by that four-year run that led to a title? Yeah, they are. They're still recovering from it. I'm sorry, not sorry, because they have the banner. 
whatever happens with LeBron, I mean, essentially what LeBron does <clears throat> is he comes in and he completely wants you to use every single possible thing in your power to get the championship. And it's like a, it's like a strip mine. He strip mine the heat titles, strip mine, the Cavs title four finals. And he's halfway home or three quarters of the way home to strip mine the Lakers. And um, they have like nothing to trade. They have nothing to trade. <laughs> and Contavious Caldwell Pope is out there as a free agent. And guys, it is a flashback exactly to J.R. Smith. Yeah. Um, J.R. Was, was very good on the championship team. Um, not their third best player um, like he was a lot of nights for the Lakers. But, you know important player for the Cavs. There was literally nobody offering J.R. Smith the kind of money the Cavs were. And um, <laughs> and basically, Rich Paul was representing J.R. Smith, and it was basically like, got to pay him. LeBron loves playing with him. You can't replace him. And the Cavs did. And uh, and they paid just gigantic amounts of luxury tax and, and uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't trade him away, just had to sit there with him on their books. Uh here we have Contavious Caldwell Pope, represented by Rich Paul, uh, wants to be paid. No one's probably going to offer him uh, anywhere near what he wants from the Lakers, but he's probably going to get it because they can't really afford to replace him. And so here we go again. But a new banner is headed up in the Lakers rafters. And this is the thing that happens with LeBron. Like, this is the deal you op you enter into. And he's in this you know, regardless of what you, what anybody thinks about him, he's in this remarkable zone that we see so rarely in sports, but Jordan had it with the second three peak. You have a guy who's absolutely at the absolute apex of the game mentally, uh, you know, like Peyton Manning, you know, where before Peyton Manning's like arm or neck had the injury, his arm turned into an, even Peyton Manning didn't have the, the physical ability that he had at the end where he can outthink everybody, right? There's nobody who's out going to outthink Peyton Manning. And his body hasn't broken down. Mm -hmm. So it's this, I, I've dubbed it the golden sunset, where, Lebr I mean, LeBron isn't the physical player that he was 10 years ago, but... He's not that far. <laughs> he's smarter, way smarter. Um, so here's this guy who's apex mentally and within sight of the apex physically, and we... We're in this sunset. How long will this sunset last? Well, it could last a few years. And, you know, Kobe didn't get to have it because Kobe was there mentally, but he tore his Achilles. Um, you know, uh, and he's got Anthony Davis, and who is in his prime. Mm -hmm. So the Lakers could raffle it off. The other, thing I, the other thing I think is he's got the smell in his nostrils again of, of, of Jordan. So, you know, he definitely had it after the Cavs won. I mean, obviously, LeBron believed the Cavs would have won in 15 had Kyrie yeah. and LeBron and Love not gotten hurt. They win in 16. And if you remember, right after they win, he gives an interview to Lee Jenkins of Sports Illustrated, and he starts talking about chasing the ghost because he was smelling it. He's like, okay, yeah. I got three, and here we go, baby. Well, then Kevin Durant went to the Warriors and knocked him off of that. And, you know, I think the 2017 Cavs were better. By the end, 
you know, they lost some role players from that season, but by the playoffs, the 2017 Cavs were every bit as good or better than the 2016 Cavs. I have said that the 2017 Cavs probably win the championship in 75 or so percent of the, of the seasons in NBA history. Wow. Um, as you, if you may remember, they go 12 and one yeah. in the East playoffs and then are the only team to beat the Warriors even once in the, in the you know, they, they got a game off them. Nobody else had gotten a game off of them. That's a championship team. That should have been LeBron's fifth ring in his eyes because he should have had one in 15. Right. Not one in 16. He should have had one there. And then obviously in 18, Kyrie left. So <clears throat> whatever. But so now he's like, oh man, I, I smell it. I feel good. And I got AD and I got the Los Angeles Lakers. I may be able to pull two more out of here. Now, will he be able to? I mean, I'm, I think the league will be a lot tougher this next year because Brooklyn's coming on. Golden State's coming on. Um, I don't necessarily think that those are championship teams just yet, but you know, those are better talent is going to be out there. I think, I think the Lakers are gonna have to upgrade their talent, but um, when he says, I want my damn respect too, that's him talking about the ghost again, re-entering, mm-hmm. re-entering that fight, whether he would articulate it that way or not. Do you think he uh, finishes his career in Los Angeles? No idea. Um, you know, he is a, he has one year left on his contract. Uh, he has an option he can opt into. What will be interesting to see what happens is what kind of contract Anthony Davis signs. Yeah. Um, he probably will sign a two-year contract with a player option, but what if he just signs a one-year deal with a player option? What if, what if, um, LeBron and AD want to leave the option open of becoming free agents in 2021, if not to <clears throat> leave, but to open the door to manipulate their contract numbers to sign a major free agent. Yeah. You know, there will be a deep class in 2021, like Giannis. Um, not that I think that Giannis would go there, but, you know, it would be interesting to see if they align their contracts or not. Um, or maybe AD goes for two years and LeBron ends up doing the player option and they become free agents together in 2022. Uh, but if you look at him, if you will look at him play guys, um, I see, you know, I see a 35 year old who has a lot left in the tank and, oh, yeah. uh, um, you know, the strip mining of the Lakers will continue. And uh, my guess is at the end of the four years, the Lakers, they have at least one banner. Maybe they'll have another, and they probably won't have much else. Um, so we'll see where they are. We'll see where the team is at the end of that run, especially if after four years, he and AD are, are you know, if AD goes two plus one and LeBron plays out the four-year contract, he picks up his option, that would have been four years, and he and AD would be free agents. So we'll see. You know, it's funny. I always think back to when he, LeBron was in his first year and took that sabbatical in the middle of the year kind of just went to Miami and, and, you know, got, got all of his rest in and people were like, Oh my God, of course, Cleveland's going to get LeBron where he's, his back's given out. He, he's got nothing left. And then all of a sudden here we are, what, eight years or seven years later. And I know he's looks unbelievable. Well, his back was bothering him. Yeah. You know, he had some disc issues or whatever, and he changed his training routine. He like embraced like biometrics. I don't I'm not smart enough to know what that is, but like, 
changed his training routine to improve his back, you know, hired a, hired a guy that just worked on his, well, he worked on his whole body, but really focused on working on his back. And uh, you remember Fedor, I mean, you were there too, Hayden, yep. with that, with that yep. exercise ball yes. that he would do stuff with that. Yeah. That was all. Yep. And he was able to get himself into the area and get himself into uh, a better zone with his back. And um, it's amazing. Hey, that's what I need to do. There's, there's guys who, who would have an injury like that or a setback with their back and they wouldn't be the same player. He changed his methods and figured out a way to get through it. And now you don't, he, I mean, he wraps his back every, after every game, yeah. you know, you guys saw that he's, yep. he's got, he's got heat on it every game and he's got ice on it after every game and he treats it and he does his, his workouts and he does his core exercises and he's okay. And it is amazing. You're right, Hayden. Um, uh, he's been as good as, as ever. Maybe that's what I need to do. I lost my golf game when I started having back problems. So maybe I just need one of those exercise balls. You need like a $200,000 a year uh, or whatever he pay them. Yeah. Well, former, former Navy SEAL, which is what the yes. guy was. Yeah. Former Navy SEAL to live in your house, uh, Fedor, and, Perfect. and give you personal training every single day. Um, have the chef... And Mike Mancius, the trainer yes. who works on everything right. else, um, also have a whole team that has the <laughs> you know a, a first class weight facility that you have the exact same thing in your house. That would be helpful. I bet your golf game would improve. There you go. Didn't you do well, the story, Brian, about how much he spends yeah, per he year did. on his body? Yeah, it's a little bit difficult to hundred percent. Like so, you know, Maverick said that he spent a million dollars, and that it, that quote has come back up this week because I think Russell Wilson said Russell he spends Wilson, yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, a million dollars is spent. Is it all LeBron's money? That's, um, that's the Uh, question because, you know, the, the last few teams he's played for has, have basically hired guys to make sure, which by the way, it's a good investment. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, does, is there actually a million dollars that comes out of LeBron's bank account on his body every year? Or is there a million dollars spent? That's an interesting question. Um, but like when, um, like when LeBron would go to China every summer and Mike Mancius would go with him, uh, like he was on the Nike jet and being paid by the Cavs or the heat. Um, yeah. so, you know, is that LeBron, you know, I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how to do right. it, but, um, uh, he recognizes that, uh, and he recognized this very early on. It wasn't like he went from $0 to a million dollars and who knows what yeah. the actual number is. But he recognized very early on that he he had to focus on longevity. I remember his first go-round with the Cavs, 2007, 8-ish, he started really getting into yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and he could stand on his head. He could do that pose where you stand on your head. Um, you think about a guy of that size being able to stand on his head. Um, and he was really into that. And so he, you know, got a yoga thing. And the other thing that LeBron does is, you know, I, I don't see what he, I don't know if he drives around in this in LA. Um, it's a little bit harder to know in LA what, what he does. And I'm not really out there as much as I was in Cleveland, but you know, in Cleveland, he invested in this special vehicle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, what would you? It was a, It was like a Mercedes. The, the, it was like a Mercedes Mobile. van. Yeah, it was a Mercedes van. Yeah. 
Right. And this vehicle like had like this chair, these chairs in it that enabled him to like stretch way out mm. um, like a uh, like a international first class airline seat, except for probably even bigger. And that's what he traveled around in so that and he, you know, he hired security and he hired a driver. So he would always have a driver so that after practice yeah. or after games, he could get treatment or stay very stretched out to oh, and bus. from places. So like, it's not that he's got like, you know, the other thing is, you know, that his teams hired masseuses. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what they have now, but the Cavs used to have full two full-time masseuses. Yeah. That they took on the road with them. Yeah. Um, they were not all they didn't always take <clears throat> both of them, but there were two on staff. Um, and uh, you know, LeBron really would get massage. So uh, and it's all and from the team's perspective, it's all a very good investment too. So um, and it's all worked. How could you not look at that and say that it hasn't worked? And he and you know, the most important thing is he puts in the work. And that's what I know. Again, it was so it's so funny. LeBron has changed teams now four times he's really been on sort of four different teams Cavs one heat Cavs two lakers and for me to see the exact same stories that i wrote in miami that maybe you wrote or joe varden or chris haynes wrote in cleveland and is now being written in los angeles about the, his new teammates seeing what he does and like being blown away it you know this he's been doing this now for probably 15 years or so something like that I, I remember. I think sometimes he would use he would take the convertible from uh, from Bath to downtown. There was one time I think something like that. He was mentioning one time that he that he was speeding up and down seventy seven. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he occasionally. I mean, you know, look, he had that Kia uh, deal, and he would yeah. um, he had the commercial where he had to actually drive the Kia. There was the one the the, the deal was that that LeBron was driving a Kia, right? And so. Right. Yep. He, he Who the hell believes LeBron's actually driving a Kia? Right. Well, the, 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 I don't know if you noticed, but the deal ended. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if they still make that car. They, they were trying to sell like a $70,000 Kia or something, and they hired LeBron to sell it. But anyway, um, uh, you know, so he, he did. And they, I remember one day they actually filmed the commercial with him arriving. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so he did drive the Kia in that day. So occasionally he did drive the Kia. The, the one day that maybe he drove the Kia. Yeah, um, exactly. I One time, guys, during All-Star Weekend in New York, which was uh, – he was with the Cavs. I think it was maybe 2015. I think it was his first year in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. 2015 All-Star game maybe? Maybe 2016. I can't remember. Um, LeBron filmed a car commercial over All-Star Weekend in about uh, three minutes. Um <laughs> It was it was at night. They had the entire, um, st- the, the the entire thing set. It was all set and lighted and everything. LeBron's car pulled up. His you know whatever SUV he was in. He got out. There were, I think I think it was a Kia. Don't hold me to that, but I think it was a Kia. And they needed him to get out of the car and toss the keys to a valet. Like that was the. And I think when the commercial came out, it was just him in really slow motion getting out of a Kia. So he 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 got out of his car, walked over, discussed it with the director, had a little brief discussion with the valet about where he was going to stand, got in the car, got out, threw the keys, kept walking, came back, filmed it a second time. They may have given it three takes, but it may have only been two. He's like, okay, you're done. 
thank you. Gets back in his car, off. Filmed the commercial, <laughs> and I'm, I swear to God, guys, it was less than five. It might have been three minutes. Amazing. I was there. I watched it happen. Wow. On the streets well, of New York City in February. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. I think that's a great way to end this podcast. I guess I've got to go do a three minute commercial myself. Yeah, exactly. You, the, yeah. The, the fees are, you know, the, the, the yeah. salary is amazing. <laughs> exactly. In your wind tunnel that you have down there. That's right. That's right. Well, Brian, we can't thank you enough for joining us. Thank you for providing all of your insight on the Cavaliers and the NBA and everything. We appreciate you taking your time and um, thank you. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Good enjoy the off everything. season. What's left of it? Yeah. Yeah, well, there's not much you can do to enjoy it, quite frankly. So you might as well just get started on the next year. That's right. Best of luck with the two-year-old, and uh, we will talk soon. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us on the One and Gold Talk podcast. Take care. Take care.